1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7 to the end of the chapter. So, um, but go for it, Crystal. Do you want to read it out for us? Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God shows how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expressions in us. And God has given us the spirit of proof that we live in him and he is in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in Love lives in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Awesome. Thank you so much, Crystal. If you can't work out the theme from this morning, then um, I'd suggest you can go and count how many times the word love has been said in this passage. I don't know the exact answer, but I think we're up at around 25. So if someone's um, feeling a bit bored during the message, you can count them. Love. When you look and find and, and hunt and try to find out the definition for love, it's actually harder than it looks. When you go to the dictionary and look for the definition of love, it's a broad, wishy-washy sort of concept. And so you go, let's take the, the preacher, the theologian, the, the academic approach, and let's go back and look at what the, what the Greeks said love was. And when you get there, you realize that some people say the Greeks had three words or four words or five words or six words or seven or eight words for love. And yet when we look at scripture, and, and I want to thank Melissa for helping me out this week, unpacking the biblical words, the Greek words for love in there, the bulk of them are this agape, massive um, portion of them is this agape. So we've got these eight senses of what love might be, variations on love, you could call them. And yet the Bible references most of them with this one here. So it's not always that helpful. So what I decided to do is I decided to ask some experts. Now these experts between them have 45 plus years of experience of training, 
of coaching, of people giving examples. And I'm not talking about just any people. I'm talking about godly people in their lives. And they've had training and equipping in this area. So I didn't want them to go away and study the answers. I wanted their spontaneous answers. And so I decided to ask these experts a spontaneous question. And the question was pretty simple. It's in your own words, how would you define love? And so we're going to watch their answers now. I feel like it's something that, like, it doesn't have to be, like, romantic. It can be, like, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's something that you would, like, like, because of the love you have for someone, like, you'd do anything for them. And, like, you have unconditional love for them. So, yeah. And, like, I guess it's something, like, you don't, judge the person for like how they are like you just accept them for who they are that's what i would say it it has many different aspects um one can be intimacy um um love like you have a passion or something for something um or or you have a um yeah that's better all i got Love is um, feeling that you feel towards others and those around you. And through that feeling, you give compassion and, um, and what's the word? Compassion and caringness. Uh, it's not the word, but... We'll stick with that. And um, through, um, okay, I don't know what's going with that. Um, yeah. Thank you. So those guys are awesome. I think that's pretty brave. I said to them, I had a question that I wanted to ask you. I wanted to video it and use it in my message on Sunday morning. I'm not telling you the question. And they bravely uh, were willing to step into that space. I reckon that's just phenomenal. Super, super awesome. Appreciate it so much, Katie and Lockie and, and Ruben. And their answers were awesome. For spontaneous answers, I, I think their answers were fantastic. But what it pointed out to me was what I already suspected, and that is we read the word love 25 times. And yet even when we model and when we teach and when we, when we coach our young people, it still sometimes becomes a hard thing to understand. It still can be something that's hard to grasp and hard to put into words hard to fathom. And, and I don't think our media helps us. I think when, when you have TV shows that portray love and falling out of love and, and all these things, I know, and this is, I think part of love is I've watched some TV shows that I probably wouldn't have watched if I wasn't married to Tanya. I think that's part of love and vice versa, as Kel kindly points out. I watched this show the other day and the debate of this couple, or particularly the girl, but, but both of them were wrestling about when they were going to say they love each other. And I thought to myself, if they didn't love each other, why are they going out in the first place? If there's no love for one another, surely they wouldn't be dating. And yet there's this concept in our culture that says, you've got to wait till the time that you say you love someone. I hope all of you know that I love you. 
That doesn't mean we're dating or we're, we're, we're married apart from Tanya. I love you too, Tanya. But my point is, we've got this, we've got this weird sense and we've got our kids that are confused with a whole heap of different messages in the picture about what love is. This morning, I want to put love in a framework, in a context that I think and I hope and believe that God wants us to simplify love, but also empower us to walk in love. This passage gives us a whole bunch of stuff about about what love looks like. It says God is love. And if God is love and we don't understand love, then we're going to struggle to understand God. And so this morning, I want to frame love in a couple of simple words. I want to frame love in a couple of simple words because love is about championing possibility. Love is about championing possibility. Now, stay with me for a second. You might think I've jumped off the rails because they're none of the words that that they shared when, when they were giving their definition, our experts on love. Love is about realizing potential. Now, I think this is a key that maybe might be new to some, some people, maybe familiar to others. But I think if we frame love in this, in this way, we actually empower love, we give it tangible presence, we understand God better, and we're able to walk in it in a much healthier way and understand scripture. Let me unpack it for a little bit. So Nathan loves coffee. Anyone that knows Nathan knows he loves coffee. So when Nathan says he loves coffee, what does it mean if love is championing possibility? It means that if you ask Nathan, he will tell you every coffee shop in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne and how good they are or bad they are because he sees the potential of a beautiful tasting coffee. He recognizes, now not all coffees are beautiful, but he sees the possibility of what a really nice coffee tastes like. And he realizes, he champions the possibility of beautiful tasting coffee. Now, I don't love coffee. I don't see the potential or the, or the beauty in it, but he does. And so he loves coffee because he champions the possibility. Now you go, now that's, we're playing down love a little bit to a simple level. I hope he doesn't treat Lisa like he treats coffee. I hope she gets a better deal than him loving coffee. But let's move on because if we then apply this concept to some biblical principles, when we read the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus was asked, what does loving your neighbor look like? And he said it was like a Samaritan, and I've skipped part of the story, so go for it, read the rest of it. But he said it's a Samaritan, as he walked down, he saw someone who was beaten up and robbed, and he had compassion for them. Why? Because that person had their possibility stripped from them, stolen financially, physically, emotionally, he was there for dead. And as a result of that, his possibility was robbed, not just his money. And so Jesus says this Samaritan fought, championed, realized the possibility of this person. This person that was beat up on the side of the road and said, I will not let this person stay where they are because their possibility hasn't finished. Championing the possibility. Let's move on. Jesus says to us, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, 
mind and strength. And, and when we look at that, we go, well, hang on. God doesn't need possibility. He already is. But we need to recognize his possibility. This morning, guys, the worship was phenomenal, and I, and I really appreciate the worship. Because what it does is it helps us step outside of ourselves and say, God, I surrender to your possibility. Our worship is saying, I love you, Lord. And when I say I love you, Lord, I want to champion your possibility, not mine. Your potential, the best that you have to offer, I want to champion that. And our worship is a reflection of that. It says, God, I want to let go of me and I want to champion you. This is a phenomenal idea that I think and I believe that when we look at this passage through the lens of realizing, acknowledging and fighting for what the way things were meant to be, we actually come back to the agape, unconditional love that God has for us. Because we've got some problems here. Because if love is about a feeling, then when I wake up grumpy and with bad breath, does that mean Tanya doesn't love me anymore? Because the feeling's not as pleasant right then for her. We've got another problem. When I discipline my children, am I meant to have this beautiful sense of going, oh, aren't they cute? Isn't this amazing? That's not the feeling I have when I discipline my children. So does mean I don't love them when I discipline them? Love has got to be much more than a feeling. It's got to be much more than sentiment. And it's got to be something that's sustainable through all the ways that God shows us love. And he says, I discipline them because I love them. I discipline them because I love them. So let's rephrase that. I discipline them because I want to champion their possibility. Does this make sense? Because I really believe championing possibility is something that's tangible that we don't have to flit a flutter around with emotions and other aspects. Let's look at a couple of bits that he says here. Beloved. John starts this, this section with saying, know that you are loved. Let us love one another for love is from God. Let us champion the design that God had for each and every one in the community that you live in because love championing the possibility is, was from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. When we love others, when we show our value and significance to others, when we show that we're championing the possibility of everything God designed them to be, it's because we've experienced what it's like to be championed by our creator. When we read on a bit further down, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's a bit harder to champion something that you can't see, to champion the possibility. This, we call it faith. We have to trust God, even though he's not tangible amongst us. We have to trust that the possibility of who he is is more than what we see. And yet it says that love is perfected, championing the possibility is perfected when God abides in us, when we have his nature. There's so much in this passage. I just want to go down a little bit because there's a really significant verse here. Yeah, verse 17. By this, 
is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Okay, now this is what I want to share. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. In this frame that I'm looking at, this is really significant. So why is fear not part of love? Fear is about punishment. Punishment is about failure. Failure is about not living up to your potential, the possibility. And it says those who fear are afraid of punishment. They don't see the possibility, the potential that God gives us. And so when we look at this, we can see there is no fear in love because love champions, fights, pursues the possibility. And that has nothing to do with fear. He repeats again, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love you, God, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Repeatedly we see again, if you value God, if you champion God's possibility, then you cannot deny the possibility of those around you. I just want to finish at this this place because I don't want to complicate it with anything else. But what I want to do is I want us to understand what love tangibly looks like. And when you look at what Jesus did on the cross, it says what he did on the cross was the ultimate demonstration of love. Scripture says there is no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for his brother. Why is there no greater love than that? It's because somebody sacrificed their possibility to champion the possibility of someone else. Not only did they value and champion the possibility of something, but they actually said, I'm prepared to give up my possibility for them. There is no greater love than to lay down your life for a brother. When we talk about romantic love, we talk about a love that's attractional. I was reminded of that passage that, that God loved us while we were far from him, while we were yet sinners. And I believe the love that God the Father shows us is actually a love that is best represented when people are far from God, when people are far from their model. So if you have a person in a position that's far from their potential, exactly like the Samaritan looking at the guy that's beat up on the side of the road, there is a much better opportunity to show love and demonstrate and model love because there's a big gap there. Love is actually something that doesn't apply just when things are going well. It actually gets better when things are harder. And God does this time and time again with the Israelite people. His love is shown to the Israelites more when they're disobedient and far from him. And in foreign lands, they see the miracles and amazing things that that God does. 
What I really want people to hear this morning, what I really want our young people especially to hear, is that there's a lot of confusing ideas around love. But I do not think God intended for love to be confusing. I do not think God intended for love to be complicated. And I do not think that, that love was intended to be divided into eight pieces as the Greeks did. It, it's a useful way to explain it. But of those eight pieces, I just want to point out a couple. There's One of them is brotherly love, and I'm not going to go into the Greek words. But when I have brotherly love, I acknowledge that we are family. I acknowledge that there's a bond here. But underneath it, I want to champion the possibility that that brother has. When I'm in a marriage, I've made a commitment to champion the possibility intimately with one person for life. When I love ice cream, I also want to champion the possibility of what ice cream can be, mean to my life. We break love into to different things, but ultimately, when we simplify it down to this idea, I think we get a better glimpse of what God is trying to do in our lives and through us in other people's lives. So I want to first think about you and where God wants to talk to you about his love for you. Because if we don't start there, then the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself is flawed. If we don't understand God's love for us, then it's going to be hard for us to show love to others because love is of God and is from God. So what areas do you think God is championing in your life, the possibility of your life that you've maybe denied? Every single one of us, God designed us with purpose and intention and his love for us is not just a gooey feeling. He is championing you. He's fighting. He's pursuing. He's doing so many things to get you to the place where you realize and you understand and you step into the things that God called you to. That is his love for you. He is championing you. And I really want you to first ask the question, what have I given up on that God hasn't given up on? What have I let go of that God hasn't let go of? What have I stopped believing that God hasn't stopped believing about you? I think that's a really important place to start. But that then flows on as this passage tells us that as we know God's love, we reflect God's love. And so the second question is, what are you championing in the lives of people around you? We have Christianese word for them. We call it discipleship. We call it encouragement. We call it fellowship. We call it a bunch of different things, but it's just love. God is love and he wants our lives to radiate love. Are there aspects of people around you that you've given up championing? Are there aspects of people around you that you've felt too busy or too, too distracted to champion true love? That is a love that's unconditional, that champions the possibility of those around you. Because that is the love that God has for us. And that is the love that we have for others. And I really would hope that, that our young people, and I'm not trying to say, say their answers were wrong, but I hope we can simplify it. Their answers were actually spot on. Their answers were amazing. But I would love for every single one when someone asks what love is, that you can confidently say, this is the love the Father has for me, and this is the love I try to show to others. And when someone says to you, like my kids sometimes do, but why didn't you give us what we wanted? It still fits perfectly into the model of love. 
because I'm championing the possibility of what you're going to become, I'm not just making life comfortable and happy. And that is what God is in the business of doing. He has an agenda and a purpose and he has a kingdom coming that is a kingdom that is ruled by a prince who knows exactly what sacrificing love looks like. Love's not always pretty. It's not always elegant. It's not always a nice feeling. But it is always championing the best for what God believes and what God is doing in people's lives. And that is something I want to multiply. That is something I want to be a part of. And that is something that I think we as a body can encourage and champion each other. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you so much that while we were yet sinners, you showed love to us. While we were far from you, while we were distracted, while we ignored how amazing you are, You stepped in and said, I show you value and significance. I want to champion you and the possibility of you. Lord, I thank you so much for that, for doing that first. And Lord, we want to be people that reflect that to others around us. Lord, we want people that understand that for ourselves. Lord, I pray for those that are wrestling right now with aspects of their own lives that they've given up on. Dreams, character traits, Things that they look at and say, I'm a failure. Things that other people have said to them that they're a failure. Lord, I pray by your spirit you would break that now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray you would renew people's minds and hearts this morning to see what you created in them, the way you created it, and the plan and possibility that you have moving forwards. Lord, I also pray that as a community, Lord God, we would champion one another because you've drawn us together because of love and for love and to show love. So God, I pray that as we even have conversations after the service, Lord God, you would help us model what it is to champion the possibility of one another. To see people where they're at, but not measure them by that, Lord, but, but see what you've created and where you want to take us, Lord God. Lord, I pray you'd help us practice with each other graciously so that we would be a witness to the world, that our love for one another would be a testimony for the world. In Jesus' name, amen.